Comic Scene, the podcast. Episode 6, Classic and Contemporary Review. Hello and welcome to this episode of Comic Scene, the podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by John Gill. Hi, John. Hello. Um, John, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and your connection to comics? Okay, so I started. Uh, I, well, my background. I'm, I'm essentially. I'm, I see myself as a designer, um, but when I finished school, I went and did a college course, which got me a placement in a publisher in Stourbridge in the West Midlands, and uh, which were and that was uh, it was Storm Publishing, but the only publication they had at the time was the Shoe People comic which was a spin-off of the Shoe People cartoon that anybody over 40 might remember. There's been a five-minute episodic thing that ran on, I think it was probably when TVAM first started in the 80s. It had a really catchy theme tune that I remember. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) written by uh, the lead singer of uh, the Moody Blues, because he was, uh, so the the, the fella, Jim Driscoll, who wrote the series, The Shoe People, um, was a journalist before that, and primarily I think a music journalist and he knew people in the industry and so he got uh, Justin Haywood I think his name is to write the shishishu people <laughs> um but so that but I mean I was I was interested in comics I at that time I had an idea that I would like to be uh, an illustrator comics illustrator and I was deluding myself because you know I was um uh, I'm not. I'm. I just wasn't consistent enough, and I think I had high. Uh, I had. A, um, I, and some of the comics we'll look at. The, 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 I think one of the threads through all the comics that I brought in is just how consistent the artists were. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, the sort of 2000 AD was probably the comic I invested the most time in, so in the 80s and, and 90s, and just. You know, some of the artists, Jim Bakey and and Cam Kennedy and Ron Smith and and all these people, it was just flawless. And it wasn't until the early 90s that, for me, some of that consistency sort of went. That was when I started to appreciate what I'd had before. Mm -hmm. So for me, I I just was it was it was far too much like hard work. (laughs) And I think um, so. So the, the shoe people was my first sort of paid job i suppose as a as a comic illustrator but i also did a bit of work for dc thompson on the comic libraries which we can have a chat about in a bit um i've not been a, an, a paid illustrator for a long time now i in 97 i went and did a, a, a went back to college did a, a graphics design and illustration course but it was primarily graphic design so i've been a job in graphic designer up until about 10 years ago when I got out and got more into service design. Went off on another little tangent there because while I've been involved in service design, it was really documenting projects. And when I look back, filmmaking was was on the cards. I mean, my the level of my illustration skills, I was better suited and always kind of fancied myself as a bit of a Joe Johnson. You know, that, that was the stuff in the early 80s that I was fascinated with the storyboard artist. In fact, not, I mean, Joe Johnson is, is a really high bar as well. He's, he's sort of storyboards are amazing, yeah. but, um, 
yeah, I just love that whole idea of uh, that the you know the sequential art, but but the the, the fact that filmmakers, illustrator, you know, a lot of illustrators and, and Spielberg people like him just doc, you know, captured this whole film before they'd even shot it, mm. and um, so that was you know in amongst all this, I loved reading the stuff. I loved sort of drawing, but my my style of drawing, or my ability in drawing was really, I like to do one-off pages. Um, and I've got some characters we can have a look at as well, sure. but um, yeah. that's, yeah, that's the not so brief intro into what I do. So pr predominantly now I'm a filmmaker yeah. and uh, teach people filmmaking using mobile devices. Uh, that's my little niche market, but um and I'll be capturing bits and bobs for today as well. Yeah, but that's great. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna uh, change up the format a bit. Uh, so we're we're filming this, and uh, we're going to maybe edit something together uh, a later yeah, date, yeah, and yeah, we'll, we'll post that up uh, somewhere and on on, on John's uh, John's uh, website and uh, and uh, Twitter and Instagram and yeah, whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a huge selection of uh comics uh with us today so i think we're going to go through most of these uh time permitting but it's a good good spread of comics and different genres within comics uh you know so i mean do you want to start with your historic yeah, well, choices I, i'm kind of i'm indebted because i haven't been in the loft to look through this stuff in quite a while so i've got a stash of comics downstairs which are mostly sort of recent purchases within them and i say recent like within the last 10 years but all my old 2000 ADs, Albinos, Judge Dreg magazines, uh, Crisis, all this kind of stuff is in the loft. And um, I've got a confession in that I probably the last time I went in the loft was for the, the Judge Dredd screening in Dundee. And, 2012, uh, I think we did that. Yeah, yeah. that'd be 2012. Yeah. And uh, Colin McNeil was there. Mm -hmm. Cam Kennedy was there. Yeah. Um, those are the ones those i mean th those are the two standout artists for me um so i went in the loft got my copy of america by uh, colin mcneil um and got some uh, kenny who uh, for, for cam to sign and um so that was probably the last time i had a, a good route around but it was just great looking through some of this old stuff mm -hmm. so the first thing i found i, I so besides the shoe people i uh I suppose when, when I was working for the shoe people, I still had this idea that I wanted to, the, I suppose the Beano I identified as being something that I could get into. Yeah. Um, it suited my style. I wasn't, I was never a 2000 AD sort of kind of artist. And I worked with somebody at the time at 2000 AD uh, at uh, the shoe people named Colin. And I want to say Davison. It's one of these ones where it's, it's either Davison or Davidson, and he's not going to be happy either way. But anyway, <laughs> and and if you look him up, he, I'm sure some of the listeners may have seen his work already because he he now is a very well established painter, and he does these amazing oil paintings of kids in the 70s, in you know with uh, chopper bikes and their Parker hood uh, sort of. Um, the, the Parker hoods with the furry yeah, yeah. lining and stuff on the head, sort of pretending to be Batman <laughs> or 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 uh, Darth Vader or whatever. And but they're cast every painting; these kids are cast in a shadow, and the shadow is of the person that they're 
sort of pretending to be. So they're beautiful artworks. And I wished I'd bought one when they first came out because now you pay the same amount of money for a print. Mm -hmm. But as far as I was concerned, Craig was just about one of the best illustrators I'd ever seen, let alone met and worked with. So, and on a regular basis, he was sending pages off in the post to 2000 AD, never got picked up. And it just baffled me every single time that he was getting up back. So I decided early on, if I ever sent any, if I ever wanted to sort of get some work, I was just going to do the old school, knock on the door, turn up with a folio and and get an interview. So I worked on some artwork and I, and this time I, I at this point I lived in sort of the West Midlands and I knew of the DC Thompson building from the uh, Leo Baxendale book that I used to get out of the library and read over and over. So I knew about Dundee, and this is long before I ever, there was any ever a sniff of me ever living in and uh, and working in Dundee. So I got on the phone, as you do, you get the yellow pages out, because, you know, way, way before the internet, (laughs) Um, and uh, phoned up the Beano and asked to speak to the editor of the Beano, and they just put you through. And so I spoke to Ewan Kerr on the phone, Mm -hmm. who was the editor at the time, and explained. And at this time, what I would have been maybe 19. Um, Yeah, I probably would have been 19. So I spoke to him on the phone, explained, and he said, well, why don't you just put it in the post? I was like, no, I always decided that if I was going to do this, I was going to bring the stuff by hand and let you see it. So he said, well, we can't pay any expense. I'm like, that's absolutely fine. I'm I'm happy to get the, the train up. So long story short, I find myself in the Beano office um, in in Dundee, and um, he was very he was very nice. He looked over my stuff. He was very complimentary, and he said, "We don't have anything just now." And of course, now realizing that's not the way that it works anyway. Um, but they were very good. I, I probably spent half an hour with him, and he said, "But I'll take you up to comic libraries." And I had a, I had no idea what comic libraries was, and I thought. I'm, all this time, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not a librarian. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> so it turns out comic libraries are these little, these sort of mini books that I, I'm not sure you saw them so much down south. But up here, when I when I eventually moved up here, saw them everywhere in train stations yeah. and in those. Spinner racks. And, yeah, the spinner yeah, racks. So yeah, so the sort of the, the, the sort of pint-sized so little comic books. And I think at the time, this was a way of DC Thompson keeping a whole bunch of illustrators on the books and basically getting you, you were sort of ghosting hmm. the existing illustrators and, and just working on. So the ones with the tabs there are, are, are my pages. Yeah. And actually, in, through the course of uh, looking at this stuff yesterday, and this, this stuff will all end up on Instagram, so, because I know this is, this is you know, not the, the best medium for talking about uh, but that's the label off the first envelope. <laughs> Spell your name wrong. But I also found a script. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this was, so I, I obviously wasn't a very diligent artist because um, this is actually, he's written at the top. Uh, I can't remember. I wish I could remember the name of the, the editor of Comic Libraries. We could probably um, find that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His name was Ewan as well. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember Ewan who, but he's written at the top, copies of scripts you've got in case you've mislaid any of them, so misplaced any of them. So obviously, you were sending me these things, and I wasn't pinging them back. Right. <laughs> and and as much as I enjoyed doing it, I think you got like 
10 quid for a for a page mm -hmm. um, or if it was if it was more than one box and most of them are one box but if it was more than one box you got 15 pounds so I was a bit cheeky and I would even turn the single box scripts into <laughs> two and then then he never challenged me on it so I got an extra extra few quid but the great thing about this was I so he sent me a few laughing planet I don't know if anybody remembers laughing planet it was a sort of a David Attenborough style character um but he it was the fella who used to draw calamity james oh, yeah. Yeah. who drew them and he that was i mean i aspired to that that was the kind of comic strip i would have liked so there's a lot of stuff and again i'll photograph these put them out but there's a lot of stuff that i put into this that wasn't in the script that i was kind of riffing on the calamity james style and there's little sort of strange noises coming from animals there's little boxes with explanations as to what's going on i mean there's there's one where he sits on a porcupine so um i've put a little box pointing at all these these obviously for comedy effect he's got pins poked in his bum so i put a little box there stretchy shorts for botanical bodies that wasn't in the script that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's pure me and did, did, um, they, did they send but, any reference for for uh for that so no no because that? so yeah. that out of this they i got i got taken up and i can i'm pretty sure it was the 13th floor so we'll take you up to the 13th floor so it was, <laughs> it was the the tower part of, yeah yeah um, it sounds like uh you know uh, max from uh you know the screen story yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i got taken up to the the comic libraries uh, floor and had a chat with you and talked about the stuff I liked and, and that was obvious from some of the work I'd brought in as well and he said well if you like Calamity James I'll send you some Laughing Planet scripts but I also got to draw I'm gutted I, I don't have copies of the books with my Desperate Dan in because I've got to do some Desperate Dan's right. I've got three or four in fact on this script that I've got here there's a, there's an illustration I've, I've scored through it saying it's done but I have no memory of the artwork. So whether I actually did do it, I've, I've no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I think because I've crossed it, crossed it out, I must have done. But it's uh, it would have been a nightmare because it's... Um, Dennis watches a procession go by. And now that just wasn't me at all. I mean, mm. you know, one or two characters. In one panel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in one panel. Mm. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so you got to draw Dennis the Menace. Um it was it was just it was just a great experience. Yeah, and it's it's actually quite an unusual format that actually you know comics format because each story is sort or each character has this sort of page or two pages sometimes dedicated yeah. to them, which yeah. it's actually a really interesting format. And if anyone hasn't seen these um, comic library specials, cartoon books as as they're called here, uh, then you should definitely hunt them down because the other the other interesting thing about them is they did that um, single color. Yeah. tone on it as yeah. well which was kind of standard at the time you know which but, was added afterwards yeah which must have been quite a time consuming process for somebody mm -hmm. but to, to sort of cut because i mean i come from the days where you know artwork like that was was produced on film and then you had to sort of cut an extra layer of film for the for the colors so yeah, yeah for somebody to have to add all of that later and the bubbles and so I see, I see you split this one up into, you know, so this is mo almost more traditional page, almost. You know, so that one, yeah, there. that one was, the, that was scripted, but there's, I think the other one in that book, um, so that one there, that one was meant to be Dennis and his dad. So this is, um, Dennis is saying, oh, I've, uh, I've been helping Walter 
with his embroidery dad and then we see a picture of Walter who's been stitched into a huge blanket which is on a washing line. Now Dennis and his dad should technically have been looking over the fence mm. and partly I couldn't work out how to get all of this stuff into one panel but cheekily I thought well I'll just have them in a separate panel and so I got 15 quid, 10 quid <laughs> which in this is a good technique yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and nobody have questioned it and actually I, I even got it seems weird now because but again I'll take a picture of the Nasha but I even got a note back on my again I, I, somewhere in the house I have a, a sort of old school typed up um, payment note which right. we used to be pinned to the check yeah old school typewriter as you can see from this uh I, I couldn't find it but there was a note on one of them that said we really we loved your nasher because he it was for the time he was i suppose he was a little bit punkified now he kind of looks like that anyway yeah but i just sort of made him look a bit more dangerous than than he typically looked in those days um but and so i got so i, I was dead chuffed for that yeah no but, that's uh, great I mean, it that's... was a great little and I mean, you know, I'd long been a Dennis the Menace <laughs> fan club member. This is actually my pack from the '90s, which has got the horrible. Oh, the yeah, it doesn't, yeah it didn't have badge. the yeah the bristly one. Yeah. had long since disappeared. Yeah, in the '70s. And they've, they've recently recreated that for the 80th um, anniversary um, set that oh, right. they did. So they've they've recreated it again, but it's back to the bristly edge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was I was a member of that of that uh, for years, and that's what gave it away for me as a kid is that it, it, that the Beano was producing Dundee because the address on the back of the comic was Fleet Street in London, yeah. but the address for the fan club was Dundee. Yeah. You know, so you sort of went as a kid, well, wait a minute, there's something yeah. weird going on here, you know. Well, you know what? It was funny because when I first moved to Dundee, which was completely unrelated to any of this stuff, it was pure coincidence, um, a lot of things started making sense. So the, the cow pies, mm. you know, the pies with the holes in the middle, you don't get those in England. Ah, right. And it was interesting to me that an element of, what was created by those artists, so Scottish artists, uh, uh, DC Thompson, kind of happened in a bubble. I, I don't, I, I don't, I presumably it hadn't occurred to anybody that that might not travel. They just did it, and there's a lot of that. And yeah. <laughs> even the even the sort of Scots, you know, when you look at uh, Willie and the Bruins, you know, the, the the dialogue and the Scots dialogue yeah. is actually quite hard to to read. You know, for, for for someone who's Scottish, it's easy to read it and easy to understand it uh, as someone who's kind of been brought up with that, you know, dialect. But uh, I'm not sure how well that travels. In fact, when we were over at San Diego Comic Con last year, we took some copies of Uwe Willie and the Bruins over and put it onto the table. And some of the American uh, visitors to our table had a go at reading out, you know, the dialogue uh, with some interesting results. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> So the only other thing I was going to mention here, because this is my, I found one of these, uh. which <laughs> this again, I think this is, yeah, this is a 93 Nasher Crasher. I don't mm. know what they were called before that. I remember getting one of these in a comment in one of the Beano's in the eighties. And it was interesting that they sort of bought it out again, mm. early nineties. Yeah. But this is, this is my oldest copy. And I had loads before this. In fact, I'd probably, when I got this, my auntie bought me this because she worked in a in a, a paper shop at the time. And I can remember clear as anything saying, I've got you this because I think it'll be worth money someday. And it may well be, but not in the condition I've kept it. 
Um, and also, annoyingly, there was a competition. I've even cut it up, which is madness <laughs> now. I mean, there are people sort of crying. But this is the 2000th ah. issue of the Beano from November... 1980 so i would have been nine yeah i would so I, was, probably, I was getting it at that point yeah, actually yeah as i well. think i'd probably so. stop for a bit but so i and you know i suppose my i'm i'm not the the most consistent collector of of comics i tend to dip in and um but the where comics fit in with my interests overall is just is, is throwaway stuff. So yes. posters, badges, of you know, t-shirts, all this kind of stuff that most people throw away. I tend to hoard, mm-hmm. um, and uh, consequently, so I've got. I think from then on, I've got quite a few Beano's, and and a whole stack at home from the early nineties, where obviously I was thinking. This is what I, I was just immersing myself back in it again yeah. to think, right, how, how do I sort of position myself? But actually, the, the I suppose the thing that I got from the comic libraries was, actually, this, I don't think this is for me. Even then, it felt like too much like hard work and and also not the best pay. And I suppose conditions got better for artists sort of later on in the 90s. But, you know, the whole... The other thing that it opened my eyes to was... My grandparents had long been subscribers of the People's Friend, and and I can remember clear as anything growing up, just amazed by this person who who painted watercolor after watercolor after watercolor, and it was that visit to DC Thompson that they said, "That's a different, you know, yeah. different people." And of course, <laughs> anybody <laughs> with the least bit of artistic training should have picked up all the different styles. There. Well, and the, the amount of time that that artist has been doing, was yeah, yeah. <laughs> it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just celebrated its 150th anniversary yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah. So, you know. so I don't know whether that I, I can't imagine they still put that. I, I can't. I can't remember the name. It's, it's Campbell. I think it's G something. I, we could find out. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but they do still they do they do still do that on the cover. It's still signed with that pen. Name. Oh, is it yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that was priceless. <laughs> so the I suppose the next one I was going to talk about. I, I had in my head a whole bunch that I, I wanted to talk about, and this one again, it's not the original one that I had. I'm not even sure it's the format because you know it's a Marvel comic. No, no. It's... And these get sort of reissued. In fact, the other one, the other comic that I bought from the eighties. Oh, I don't remember yes. this. Yeah. The 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 UK my, uh, Marvel UK's Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And I think it was for a while I used to I remember picking up Marvel Hulk comics for holidays. Usually it was a holiday that I was allowed to go and buy a comic. And there was always like snipey comments about the TV series, which I loved. But you'd see, particularly in the in the letters column, I can remember one where, it, and it was the Hulk who was replying to the letters, which is bizarre. <laughs> but it was somebody would say, uh, "Why doesn't the Hulk on the TV talk?" And and the Hulk would reply with, "Of course, Hulk, everyone knows Hulk TV, not real Hulk." And um, <laughs> nice to think the Hulk TV program is brilliant. I love it. And so this was presumably them thinking, you know what? We just need to go with it, yeah. and and they really wholeheartedly. So the, so it was it was basically Marvel UK reprinting existing uh, American stories 
from from the the, the traditional sort of format, but adding in sort of posters of Lou Ferrigno and and Bill Bixby and little tie-ins like that and, yeah. and new bits and and I was absolutely obsessed with the the cover artist who also used to do posters whose name was Jerry Paris. Oh yeah, big fan of his. And I loved yeah. his work and, yeah. and it was only it was probably about 10 15 years ago I managed to there was nothing on him on the internet at all and then managed to find a um a blog spot blog that he ran and he's and he's a job in illustrator yeah yeah and and to my mind i'm just baffled by again that he's not doing more of this kind of work because his posters were amazing oh yeah and, and more often than not i bought the comics for the covers and the posters rather than what was inside yeah but i can appreciate what's inside now but i was i was a huge fan of um the tv hulk and and bill bixby and i just loved that he was so invested you know he did all the tv movies and, and they're dead cheesy now but you know, I, I just thought, thought thought it was great. So yeah. I had to bring in and again, I don't have any of the original ones of those. I bought that regularly for, for a couple of years until probably until probably it was discontinued. Because I don't know if it was a, if it went on for that long. Yeah. But they all I don't know what happened to them. And again, I think all the posters and the covers went on my wall and the rest of them probably just went in the bin. Mm. But I did manage to track one one down on eBay and so the other one which I know was reprinted in that, but I think I had the original because I can remember. This is, I bought this one because this is the earliest comic. I'm sure I bought comics before this, but the story for some reason stuck with me. And so again, I tra tracked it down on eBay a few years ago and it's, it's, and I didn't even remember the what if element. So this is what if Wolverine had killed the Hulk. And I think it was just, the the audacity of a story where the Hulk was killed because you know that never happened. Yeah. But I would have been young enough. I I imagine um, there's not a year on this. I'm sure we could probably find out. Yeah. But yeah, clear as anything. Like well, so 82. Yeah. So I would have been 10 or 11, uh, assuming that it was a similar edition or the same edition that I bought. But it just it just stuck with me for years and 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 searched for for a copy of it for years. And and it's and I, I'm not going to spoil the ending. It's got a great it's got a great ending that that particular story. And uh, but so look it out if, if if you've not seen it before and 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 you're a fan of the Hulk. But reading it again yesterday, I'd forgotten the ending and just thought, oh, that's genius. It's a great great story. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you know obviously Marvel UK was doing a lot of these reprint comics, and I would pick yeah. up you know this the Hulk. Um, British version of it and Spider Man. They, there was a huge run of Spider Man UK version. Yeah, and again, yeah. Jerry Paris did lots of stuff. Right, he did the oh, Fantastic right. Four yeah. covers as well for yeah. the UK. I mean, he's on Facebook now, and right. um, and and he does po occasionally post things, and he does po do new work as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, but again, he was one of those names that he thought, why why didn't he make it over to yeah. American comics yeah. pr properly? You know, because yeah. he was he was sitting doing the. The, the, the you know the the UK sort of versions yeah. of it, but it was just as good, if not better than. And apparently, when when I mean on his from his blog, he must have only been about sixteen or seventeen when he started doing this, and apparently, and it was the same story that he had just parked himself outside the office of Marvel UK in London until somebody agreed to to meet with him, and and they just started giving him work, mm. but. Um, 
no i he was it was brilliant and i wish i had more i, I, I should maybe look out more of these because ironically the copy that i managed to get which is number three it doesn't have a jerry paris poster in the center mm. but um yeah i need to need to find out a few more of those yeah that's i don't think it was a long run that that one i don't i, I don't have a lasting memory of that no, the spider-man one ran, ran for years in right. the uk but the hulk one i don't think so um, not in that format anyway. Obviously, it came up. There was a version of that before the Hulk comic yeah. came out. Before the um, that desk and uh, edited, and this right. is quite quite well known. But that run is slightly less known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was it was great. So I, I again, I bought in a copy of the Tiger because the Tiger was one of the comics that I suppose that the 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 sort of the connection here was. I had a friend. Who I, who I grew up with is, and his brother bought most of the comics that we got into. So a lot of my comic collection was stunted because we just used to read. So he would buy it and then read it and pass it on to us. And he wasn't bothered about getting them back. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what ha happened to most of them, but I certainly gave them back to my friends. So the, the first one was the tiger. And I just came across this in a second. I don't have any copies of the tiger uh, that I eventually did buy, but I, I I bought this one because the 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 print date. In fact, I found it recently that I think these dates on the fronts of comics was more an indication to the uh, um, the the owner of the shop to take them off the yeah. shelf rather than to put them on. Yeah. But uh, in which, if I and if I'd known that at the time, I probably would have bought the next issue, which is also available in this uh, secondhand shop. But it's seventeenth uh, of April, nineteen seventy-one, which was the day before I was born. <laughs> which is really annoying because it means the next issue would have been due to come out on the day I was born, which would have been the better <laughs> issue to have. But again, it's bizarre because I remember like Johnny Cougar yeah. um, comic strips, and which is, I, I don't think it was intentionally racist, but it's, you know, just the way he talks and everything. Now, mm, it's just, you know, mm. everything from the 70s is kind of a little bit that way. Roy of the Rovers, I was never a huge... And, and it's bizarre to me now that I even stuck with Tiger because... I'm not a football fan. I'm not a cricket fan. And when I was buying it more regularly, there were columns by footballers in the football season and uh, Ian Botham in the cricket season. Yeah. I had no interest in this stuff whatsoever, but I used to love, and there's, a, there's an episode in there of Skid Solo. I used to love Skid Solo. Yeah. Oh, that was good. And, that ran uh, for years. Yeah, as well. yeah. Fred Baker and John Vernon. Yeah. And uh, I did an interview with um, Barry Tomlinson. He was right. uh, the editor of Tiger for yeah. a number of years. And uh, he actually wrote Johnny Cougar right. as, as well. Yeah. And actually, I thought the art on Johnny Cougar was fantastic. The, the issue uh, from 1971 here is uh, is uh, Sandy James, uh, right. a, a fantastic artist. He did some work with DC Thompson's for yeah. Commando, actually. But it was originally drawn by uh, John Gillett, who went on to Billy's Boots. Right. Uh, and ran for years. I mean, yeah. it only wound up in the, in the, in the mid-80s, early to mid-80s, you know, and it, it was a, it was a, it was a favourite of mine, but again, yeah, a little bit questionable. Now, yeah, you know? definitely, um, definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got to admit, I, I actually uh, bought a lot of Tiger comics, but much like yourself, I wasn't a cricket fan, I was yeah. a football fan, yeah. so it always used to annoy me when in the, in the summer season, they, they started to play cricket, and I'm like, even <laughs> Billy's boots, he, he found a pair of cricket boots, and I was like, oh, here we go you know <laughs> uh, it was, it, you just had to get through that you know 
Um, but but what was great about Tiger actually, and was the the print quality of it. Yeah. Because yeah. you know it it held the uh, painted work. So we've got a, a painted cover here, and we'll get we'll put a picture up of this. That uh, and it and it really you know it, it looked a bit better quality than some of the letterpress comics. Yeah. And actually, in, in the in the center pages, uh, the football family Robinson is illustrated by Joe Cahoon, who went on to draw Charlie's War. And it's fantastic artwork. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, the detail. And again, that. it's just so consistent. Um, you know, and I used to get a, a bee in my bonnet when I was at college because I think when I, when I went, when I was first at college, sort of late 80s, 87, 88, life drawing was a staple. You, you did that two or three times a week. Uh, when I went back to college in the sort of late 90s, the, we we were really fortunate in Dundee. We had a great life drawing tutor, and I used to go to evening classes as well just to get some extra. But it was less important, and it seemed to be m more and more phased out. And to to my mind, sort of mid nineties, that started to show in the in the quality of some of the artwork. And of course, there was some like standout, amazing people, but there was some wobbly stuff as well. Mm. And what I loved about it, it never occurred to me before I started drawing comics, how hard it is for your characters to be so consistently recognisable through a comic so as not to make it hard work for the reader. Yeah. And that was where I kind of checked out. That's, that's, that's incredibly difficult. Me. Yeah, that, that I think that is the biggest challenge. And I think nowadays, you know, certainly my students, are, they're more used to doing model sheets and trying to keep the character on, you know, on point. But you're right. I mean, you know, even when I was a student, the, the life drawing classes were starting to sort of be phased out. Now, we're very lucky in Dunty, we've held on to them, yeah. you know, because it is vital and actually it's part of the comic course here. Uh, on Fridays, which is the day we're recording this, we still have life drawing uh, as an option uh, if the students want to attend that or not. And I, I'm a big believer in it. Even if you're, you know, even if you're not the best at it, even if you're not that interested in it, you know, even if you're going to be a graphic designer, which is maybe more based on, you know, the technology these days, then I still think fundamentally you should be able to draw or communicate an oh, idea in a, yeah. in a quick sketch. And life drawing is vital in comics, obviously, because of proportions, especially superhero comics. And you can see how that can go off, you know, quite easily if yeah. you don't know yeah. your anatomy, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I totally uh, understand that. You know, like you could see that in the, in the, in the 90s. It starts. And then there's the, the Simon Bisley influence, I suppose yeah. you could call in 2000 AD, where everything became fully painted yeah. and quite muddy, you know, because yeah. no one seemed to be quite as good as Bisley, you know, yeah. at that stuff. And it became yeah. a huge trend. Plus, the print quality wasn't up to it mm -hmm. as well. Certainly, when I was getting 2018, you know, in that era, the, the, the paper soaked up the colour. Yeah. You know, uh, so... Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that, that, that edition of Tiger, that's that's stunning that, that that's like 40, nearly 48 years old. And it's, I mean, obviously, somebody's looked after it. Yeah. But the colour is amazing. Yeah. And, and that's, but that's the kind of, that's the paper. I mean, I do miss the when i was going through my 2018s yesterday i do miss those sort of uh that that news where well, it's not even newsprint it's yeah. like it's borderline toilet paper but it's <laughs> it's amazing uh, yeah it was the golden nice, age uh, i think yeah, you know and i yeah. think it did lose something when it, you know the production values got almost too good for it and actually the, the story quality went down yeah. The paper quality went up, the story yeah, quality went definitely. down. You know, for me, you know, I was really excited about Prog um, 500 when they had a sort of glossy cover on it. Yeah. It's, oh, this is the future, you know, and they, they kind of trimmed the edge off of it because it had that really horrible That's edge right. as well, yeah. you know, yeah. it came off the printing press. Yeah. But to be honest with you, it lost something when it yeah. when it went 
full color and it went into the into not glossy paper but it went to, to, to full color and, yeah. it, and it, it just wasn't quite the same no. you know i've actually got this weird sort of fantasy that you know one day they'll do an, an issue in the old lighter press way oh, you know just, yeah. just a one-off no, you know? Be, yeah <laughs> yeah actually that that's that that, that should have been the thing for the 40th shouldn't it, it definitely <laughs> yeah. should have yeah should have. maybe for the 50th they can yeah <laughs> so so 2000 ID is probably the good place to go just now then because that again uh, through my friend Liam uh, and his brother that I, I I suppose we followed whatever Mark was reading um, his brother his big brother so he he obviously transitioned at some point from between in fact the other one I didn't I don't have any copies and I probably should mention it but the other comic that was being and it wasn't really a comic, the, the other magazine that was being pushed onto us both by our parents at the time was Look and Learn. Yeah. And the only bit that I used to read in Look and Learn was Trigon, the, the Trigon Empire. Yeah, which you spoke about last episode, actually. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was, um, I mean, again, stunning artwork. It baffled the life out of me. I, I don't think I had much of a clue what was going on, but it was, it was, it was just a great strip. So it was good to see that, but... but look and learn i just wasn't into it at all so in amongst that we had the tiger and then 2000 ad came along and it must have been around the sort of 300 mid 300s mark something like that and um so i didn't actually start collecting until of my own copies maybe until i don't know maybe the 400s mm. but um no i mean it was it was that was probably I've got about five or six years worth of 2000. I probably stopped buying around 91, 92, something like that. And I was just, I, I probably got to a point where there was half a dozen issues that I hadn't even got around to reading and I knew it was just time to, to stop. But the the old, the sort of the classics. And so I just grabbed a handful of ones that, that sort of brought back particular memories so again, so Prog Five Hundred, as you here. mentioned, yeah, which yeah. is just classic. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean that was what... you just take for granted yeah. now that you used to get week after week you'd get slain, yeah. and you know this is Glenn Fabry's artwork, which I, I get. I, it was just baffled me that by this by this time I had some awareness of what artists got paid, and I just couldn't imagine how he was making a living if he had to you know the amount of work he must be putting into his artwork yeah and it was just absolutely stunning but the detail and the fact that he could i think one of the things i struggled with i could maybe manage a good sort of human figure and face and and put the detail in but as soon as i added something that was you know fantastical like he's, he's riding a, a winged horned beast here it just all fell apart because the the two my you know the styles just didn't match at all. Whereas he he, uh, he it was just just amazing. Yeah, the level of detail in that is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, yeah. for that for that time as well, and being printed on you know yeah. on newsprint and, and it's I mean, like... it would have been like I don't know one and a half or two, twice the size of what we what we're seeing it here. Yeah, and, uh, that, that was a real turning point for me for for, for Slain, I think uh, that art wise, you know, yeah. and and yeah, another favorite here, Bad Equally, Company. Yeah, yeah Bad I mean, Company was just just such a great and i can remember sort of the first episode of, of bad company dropping and and it was a new story so you think mm, you know 
you get used to the to your your favorites and something new comes along and you're like oh what's this going to be about and i was never a big um fan of of war comics and it felt like are they just shoehorning a war comic and and of course like within before i'd finished the episode <laughs> yeah. you're just a huge fan yeah because you know brett yoon's artwork again was just amazing and and the and again, just so consistent, mm-hmm. and but really quite different. And I think the thing that stood out to me by the time I'd, I'd sort of got into 2000 AD was how different each of the artists were. There was none of the sort of I'd, I'd got a book out of the library when I was at school, maybe at college. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but it was uh, drawing comics the Marvel way. And and I started getting into it, and then felt like why why do I want to be drawing comics that look like you know the, the previous issue i i kind of liked that 2000 ad had all these completely different artists so you've got glenn fabry on one page turn over you've got brett ewan's completely different style but every bit is good mm. and yeah there wasn't a house style like no, you say you no, know marvel had that well i was encouraging that house style and then you've got this is one of my favorite strips oh, this uh, dark's head revisited yeah, yeah. <laughs> very controversial as well yeah. at the time but yeah, yeah. i mean oh, i love that strip and this and i think I, at this point i was becoming more aware of the the uk america divide and that people were going off and you know earning more money and <laughs> yeah. it's got this hilarious sort of setup where um there's like art, a uk artist against the fire in front of a firing squad for having sort of defected to <laughs> it's a history of, of of comic creators yeah but it's just hilarious that the alan moore one he, he's, he's he's stood up against the firing post but he's still cross-legged so he's <laughs> he's, he's levitating it's brilliant that is brilliant i mean i have this there's so much in that strip and it's very uh it's it's very cheeky yeah. as well yeah. you know i'm not quite sure i mean they cut two pages out of it but um oh, yeah oh, right. um but basically I, even the stuff that was published i don't know how they got away with it yeah yeah no it's it's, it's so good so yeah classic classic episode yeah i suppose talking of collections 2000 ad monthly and the best of 2000 well best of 2000 ad monthly was my access to all the stuff that i'd missed out mm. on I had the um, same. I was the same. I, I started at three ninety, right. three ninety. So I was using this as the back catalog, yeah. and it was great. It was, and it's funny because over the years, I I've completely forgotten which episodes I actually. So I I had I've got the original editions of of bit of all of Bisley's stuff coming out, and that was a revelation because you knew the moment that first episode dropped, you knew that this was something special, mm. but. You know, even like these these early episodes of uh, Rogue Trooper, and reading these for the first time, and it was and kind of half remember it because I did actually have, I remember clear as anything the first um, copy of two thousand AD because there was a green space at the front of our house, and um, everybody in the street had it. Because we were all like throwing the the spinners around, <laughs> but I think pretty much we universally kind of the, the the comic went in the house and we were just playing with the spinners. So I had a copy of it, and who knows what happened to it. So in the back of my, I, I do remember some of these characters from probably just reading them in in the shop whenever I went over. Um, but being able to go back and and read sort of back issues of of uh, Strontium Dog and 
FDR and Quinch, and it was, it was just brilliant. And obviously, a complete steal at 65p yeah. because within yeah. 10 years, they cottoned on and were sort of reissuing them, but now as graphic novels, yeah. and, and they were 10 quid. Yeah. So, you know, th these, these are sort of amazing editions uh, to have because very often they were collected. So you've got the whole of a, of a story in just one book. 65p and often from the original film original art right. so the quality of the print doesn't suffer like some some reprints they've, they've sorted it out now rebellions reprints are really good yeah. quality but you know but in between that that some of the reproduction wasn't great you know yeah. but when you look at these they're just as good if not better than the, the original yeah. print run and to think that like that some of the editions that were coming out in america were, were like even half more almost half the size of this <laughs> yeah. again yeah that you just lost out. I mean, old Alan Moore Future Shocks, which I love this this one, Sunburn, um, which anybody who's read it will sort of instantly remember, but it's great stuff. Mm. Uh, but that was that was a great way in uh, for me mm -hmm. to the to the older yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, same with me, actually. It's exactly the same, you know. And uh, I kind of, it's kind of shame that that, that format ran out of steam, you know, in, in a way, because it did, make, it did make it very accessible. Yeah. So I think this is probably four three two is maybe my first sort of official sort of purchase for myself. Um, I've got a few older copies that I've picked up along the way, and um, I actually had some. I can't remember if I'm pronouncing his name right. I used to draw Ace Garp. Bilard, is it Bilardinelli? Bilardinelli, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, in the early nineties, the 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 original. Whatever Comic Con was called in in uh, in the early nineties, and uh, they used to have one in Birmingham at the NEC, as they do here now at the SECC, and um, bought a couple of now I, I maybe fifteen pounds or something like that, and of course eBay comes along and you get all excited with this stuff you've got in the loft that you've not looked at for years, and I went and sold them for like about fifty quid. Um, wish I still had them. Because I even I once I've got the artwork, I then went and found the original copies that it had been printed in, and the idea was to have them framed side by side, and mm. ended up selling them and, and supplying those those issues of 2000 AD with the artwork as well. But mm -hmm. it wasn't Ace Garp; it was another story. But it was great artwork, and and just just seeing you know what it was that they they supplied to the uh, you know when you hear. Um, the the Watchman artist um, Dave Gibbons. Dave Gibbons, yeah. Gibbons, yeah, talking about how he would be running down to the post office with a stack of Watchman artwork to post off, and it, you know, it's 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 it's, and I and I came from that, you know, I was uh, I came from that world. I was paste, you know, literally cutting and pasting stuff up. Mm. But uh, yeah, great two thousand AD stuff. I suppose the one, the other issue that I'd like to just mention for any collectors out there, go and find your issue 666. <laughs> the, the mark which, of the devil. <laughs> which was, well, actually, um, I think 2000, 2000 AD characterized it as the number of the best, which uh, I think is, is, a, is a good way. Is that to, just a typo, though, maybe? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. But it's got a bizarre, uh, I think that must be Brett Ewins as well. Isn't yeah, it, it looks front, like it. Yeah. Sort of a. Andy Warhol style, mm. uh, different coloured versions of. But if you go to Farg's Nerve Centre, you'll find in the top left 
a piece of artwork that they've given the title Musical Interlude. And it's drawn by John Gill, spelt correctly. Wow. <laughs> J-O-N. <laughs> Credited this time. Yeah, it? yeah. Credited. From Sedgley in the West Midlands. Right. <laughs> and I even, in the when I, again, it was no, in the loft and wow. I found the original. Wow. We'll definitely, yeah, we'll definitely take yeah. a snap of this and post this up because that's... Uh, so it's, only, it's, it's marginally bigger than... The, the printed it's, it's held up quite well <laughs> it looks like you drew it yesterday yeah, are you yeah. sure so you sure is, this is from the time <laughs> so what is i mean this was i would use the uh, the the rotring ink pens yeah yeah and uh yeah so it has, it's, it's been in in the dark wow. for a long time but um i used to these were characters i used to draw in lots of different and for some i just decided to send one to 2000 ad and didn't think they would print it because typically fan artwork was Fan artwork. It, yeah, was, it or, was two thousand yeah. characters or variations. I mean, the other one that was printed in this issue was brilliant. Della Tharg. It's sort of a, a riff on Della Soul, but Tharg done in that style. So it's great stuff. So you've but basically got a genuine piece of uh, original two thousand Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. And you're published um, in there. So there you go. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Hunt that one down. Uh, so yeah, six six six. An easy six, one six, to remember. Absolutely. Forty p. When it came out, a steel bargain. And February nineteen ninety. So what's what's that? Sort of thirty. Coming up for thirty years, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's that's the two thousand AD. I suppose the other the thing that I used to sort of wear out from re if you if you could wear out from just looking at it was my collected um, Judge Dread collection, which is the I suppose from the newspapers that run. Uh, I, I I think did Cam Kennedy do some of those or, or, or Mick McMahon used uh, to do uh, them? It was uh, Ian Gibson. Ian Gibson did a run, yeah. Right. Ian Gibson, Gibson did, especially when it went into the three panel yeah. uh, version of That's it. That's right. Yeah. Um, but but these these uh, Daily Star the Saturday strips, which took up half a page sort of thing, were were fantastic. Yeah. And the story compression. There's a brilliant episode actually that I love that is basically the Apocalypse War in one page. But one half page. Right. It's the yeah. whole twenty six episodes condensed into wow. half a page in that format, and it's just amazing, you know. No, I just, I mean, his his artwork, uh, and I was reminded of it again recently when he, when he passed away. But his artwork was, I just used to look at his something. He must have been like a draftsman in a previous life or something. Actually, he didn't. I don't think he did any of that kind of stuff, no, did he? No. He's, he was actually an animator. Yeah, he actually came from animation. The quality and the robots that he used to draw, and and again the consistency. I mean, you there was never any doubt, you know, where you were in the story because it was just absolutely flawless. Yeah, and, and it so was so much detail. Super inventive as well with the world and the the, the crazies and you know Mega City One and it it really was you know you didn't I didn't really appreciate it at the time, I just took it for granted. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. And it was just so it's good when you look, you look back now and you go, really, he was doing that every week or you know every day, you know, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, another quick mention to Colin McNeil because again I was a huge fan and as much as I prefer black and white artwork pretty much across the board Colin McNeil was somebody who with and I and I had the opportunity because of the you know thanks to Dundee Uni and and DCA to sort of have a chat with him about this at the at the dread screening and just to say to him for what you were getting paid a page, how how could you justify spending that much time? And apparently, at the time, he was he was still relatively young, still living with his parents, 
and apparently we'd get up at seven o'clock in the morning and just draw all the way through till midnight and sometimes the early hours so he was you know cramming in at, at least a couple of days worth of work into into a page or, or a couple of pages and and this painted artwork for america was just amazing so of all the color i mean this this still is is probably my favorite sort of color comic um it, uh, you know and, and a great and of course a great story yeah and and again it was one of those ones that even at the time i mean this is the the collected version in judge dread magazine um i had the the um it, no sorry this it was in judge dread magazine yeah it? then they collected and it from it that collected yeah. it after, collected afterwards and when they did this uh, mega collection recently i just had to buy it because just to have a hardback version of it it's I, I think I still prefer the the sort of the the, the paper quality of the, of the original, but mm -hmm. just seeing, you know, having it sort of as accessible as that. But also to say that Colin McNeil's artwork just gets better, to my mind, just gets better and better, and he's and he he seems to have uh, stripped back his style, and I, I just think it's better than ever. His black and white stuff now is just yeah. amazing. I, I mean, lucky enough to have a come in occasionally do a yeah. class for us here and i actually bought a page off him quite recently because he, he wrote my name on one of the block you know one of the blocks so yeah, so yeah. i bought that page off him but um but also you know uh, actually currently in in the prog so uh, you know the the story yeah. at the moment is basically a spin a spin out of mechanismo uh and he's working with john wagner again and it's lost none of its its edge yeah. in, in fact it's it's super stylistic now, yeah. like you say, and it really holds up, yeah. you know. And this is like thirty odd years later, yeah. you know. So, no, it's yeah. just it's just amazing. Yeah, I suppose the other couple of things that came out of two thousand AD were I used to, whenever I could, get into going to Birmingham, which was a sort of an hour on the bus from where I lived, and um, visit Nostalgia and Comics, which I now see. I think there was a period where it was no longer called Nostalgia and Comics. It was it was Forbidden Planet. But it's called Nostalgia and Comics now. Nostalgia yeah, and yeah, Comics yeah, again, which is yeah, brilliant. And yeah. it's still, I think, still in the same... I think so. The I, Queensway. I was down there a few years... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is, because I was down there um, probably about three or four years ago at a Comic-Con that was at Edge Baston. Yeah, yeah. And I went down with uh, Ian Kennedy. It was his first oh, ever Comic-Con, right. actually. Wow. And I, I accompanied him down, and uh, on the Sunday... We actually went uh, to the comic shop yeah. to Nostalgia Comics, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where it was. Yeah. You know, I'm not, no was, expert in Birmingham, yeah, to be it honest. Was just, uh, and and yeah, Birmingham's changed a lot. So there, there used to be a flyover in front of it when when I used to go, and now that's away, and there's just a, a road. But um, so it felt at the time it felt more hidden away because of that flyover. Right. It was it was very it was very sort of uh, mega city <laughs> uh, one at the time. And so they used to have signings, and and I can't for the life of me think how, you know, this is before the internet again. I don't know how I even found out that these things were happening. So there must have, maybe there was stuff in the comics or, um. But so I went to a couple, and and classic ones at that because the first one was for, um, Crisis. Mm -hmm. So I've got some copies here. Uh, the Crisis one. So you've got them all there, Jim Bakey, John Smith, Pat Mills, Carlos Esquera, and, and what a lineup. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I probably had a quick chat with John Smith and Jim Bakey, and I love Jim Bakey's artwork, but 
was fortunate enough to, to be able to chat to Pat Mills and to Carlos Quera for 15, 20 minutes who are really um, sort of generous with their time and, and sort of looking at some of the artwork that I'd taken in for them to, to look at and, and talking to one of the books that I had at the library, which I used to used to refer to loads, was um, a shot by shot film book. And, and it used to it took screen grabs of films to sort of break down and, and essentially turn them into a comic. But that was that was the way I saw it. But it was I suppose it was more for film students and, and looking at how great directors blocked. And and the, the pages that I enjoyed the most were the spaghetti westerns because Sergio Leone, how he, Friends, he was yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of comic artists were influenced by him because how he got really tight in the eyes yeah. and detail you know sort of cutaways to to hands sort of resting on on hips and guns and it was just um and and and, to, and then to to be sort of explaining this to pat mills who's like you need to speak to carlos he's a huge sergio Leone fan and we were talking about spaghetti westerns with carlos esquera it just doesn't get any better <laughs> and so and for him to sign all these you know that's that that signature was so familiar to me from from Judge Dredd and um, uh, Strontium Dog, and and then to have it on, you know, the first three issues, three issues of, of well, a couple of issues of Crisis that came out that that week. But at the same, no, I I can't remember if it was that signing or if it was for Revolver, which was also a great signing uh, that I went along to. And I'm not sure why he was there, but he was there. Will Simpson not part of the lineup he was just round the corner and and sadly being ignored by a lot of people and i was familiar with his artwork i i really quite liked his art although it was it was still a bit of a challenge at the time um but he he took over rogue trooper which was probably controversial I don't, it probably it feels like it probably was at the time well it was it, dave gibbons wrote that series right. and he was originally slated to to draw it but yeah. it just couldn't because he was that was at the height of his sort of american yeah. powers i think you know yeah. and so basically will simpson stepped in and it had a bit of production hell on it because right. will's fully painted work took so long to, to yeah. get delivered uh that it was split into three parts from my my recollection so it yes. didn't flow you know yeah. until the yeah. best way to, to read that really is in is in the collected, collected yeah. format so so i so he sat there doing next to nothing and and i just said would you do me a would you do a judge dread and he said well uh just a head and shoulders and i was like yeah whatever that, that's great because <laughs> i used to love i used to love his he's he's, he's done some great um rogue trooper covers i mean yeah. these covers were, were really good and the, but the, the again the paint the the artwork was was really good so i have an original pencil of of will simpson uh he did a, a judge and i i always meant to do i meant to because I, I i i use tracing paper a lot and i always meant to sort of ink copy over the top on tracing paper and maybe color it but never got around to never even got around to putting it in a frame so i really should do that now yeah that's great um, yeah because but it's, it's great to have and he went on to great fame obviously for game of thrones yeah, fans because <laughs> i looked him up a couple of years ago yeah. and i came across this again just to see what he was doing and like all oh, right he's not done too bad 
um, you know, but all the production artwork and stuff yeah. for, for Game, Game of Thrones. So that's... It, it's a pity he, he, he hasn't done any comics work recently because I always quite liked his Just Red work. There was something quite unusual about the composition and the layout and the way he posed the figures and yeah. it was it was quite a gritty feel which yeah, really definitely. suited Dread, you yeah. know. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of his artwork as well. Yeah. So um, I suppose we're still in 2008. A little bit. This I I came across this one and. Again, this is way out of sequence. This is Judge Dredd magazine, which I'd probably got the first ten or twelve issues, and and I, and again, I'm I'm very inconsistent in how I collected stuff, so I don't know why I stopped. But I know the reason I picked this one up was because I saw the artwork on the front and thought that is amazing. Opened it up, had a skim through, and there's some. Uh, there's a bit of uh, America 2, I think, which I wasn't a huge fan of, and not the best colouring. I, I, I really didn't like that phase where people were getting into Digital. painting on yeah. computers. Yeah. And it was so early. It, it wasn't yeah. quite, the technology wasn't quite there yet. <laughs> but I, but I, I, what I was looking for was the the story that was featured on the cover, and and I just thought, this is who, who is this? Yeah. And it was my introduction to Frank Quietly, and the story um, is, is that the name of the story in ABBA? Yeah, Robbie Morrison yeah. Uh, wrote that. And, 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 I, and again, I didn't consistently um, collect it. I just thought this artwork is amazing. It reminded me, and, and the name's gone, reminded me of the, the fellow who used to draw... Uh, with uh, for Frank Miller or oh, Jeff Darrow, Jeff Darrow, Jeff yeah. Darrow, yeah, reminded me of Jeff Darrow's work. Yeah, it does actually. I, actually, this page here, and again, we'll maybe take a snap of this. I, I, I saw they had the original of this really uh, page at, at, at uh, a Vinnie show that was at the Kelvin ah, Grove. Okay, and actually, I took a photo of that, uh, the original uh, page of that. I've got it on my, my iPhone somewhere because that page is just just astounded me the level of detail of it and the color work, which obviously yeah. wasn't digital. It was it was painted yeah. you know and there was just something about his work and, uh, and that, that really stood out and it does have that Dudley D Watkins influence which yeah. comes back to Dundee again yeah. you know but yeah the colors on this strip the colors and the angles that yeah. he, I mean he, he, he chooses the most awkward angle to draw a person from um, you know well for, for me but he but he pulls it off mm -hmm. and and it's just amazing uh, I can I can only wonder what his reference is for some of the some of the artwork, but um, and and of course been a, a huge Frank Quietly fan ever since. Yeah. Really annoyed that I didn't get to, to fit in a visit to to Calvin Grove, but um, no, great great stuff. So I think that's I think I'm kind of done with 2000, 2000 AD maybe mm -hmm. might come back, but I suppose the other one from the time and again it's one of these ones where pre-internet. You, you didn't know everything that was coming out in advance. And again, it was it's a, a, a Nostalgia and Comics story. I was in Nostalgia and Comics, you know, spending hours as usual, deciding how to spend like five pounds that I've got in my pocket. And went to the till with, with my purchases. And in a, in, a, in a little sort of display box, there is a stack of these comics. And, and I'm immediately taken by it and thinking why do i not know about this and said to the fella behind the till is this any good and he was like oh yeah yeah you need a copy of that 
So I picked it up, not knowing anything about it other than it's Alan Moore and it's Brian Boland and it's got an amazing picture of the Joker on the front. And I think, I, yeah, £2.25, mm. which is baffling. Yeah. Even yeah. even at the time when this came that, out, yeah. that it was £2.25. For that format, that sort of prestige yeah, format, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and I thought, well, I'll, I would pay £2.25 for the cover. If, yeah. if the rest of it is rubbish, that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So this is the, I, I, apart from that, and of course, I, I imagine most people know Killing Joke and and its history and and how it's had an influence on the films uh ironically at the time it's this is the closest thing i suppose we've got to the internet i don't think it was the same time because this when did this come out 88 it it may well have been i i've i've a feeling that behind the counter in nostalgia and comics at the time there was a picture of michael keaton in kind of he wasn't he wasn't dressed up as um Beetlejuice, but he was in kind of Beetlejuice mode. He was no makeup or anything, but mm-hmm. his hair was still a bit long and kind of swooped up. And in marker pen written across it was, "Is this Batman?" Huge question mark. You know, as if to say what? <laughs> and I suppose it would have been, you know, the internet equivalent would have been huge amount of memes. You know, yeah. petitioning against Warner Brothers, like <laughs> this, 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 this fella from Mister Mom. And from Beetlejuice is not Batman, <laughs> um, and to my mind, he, you know, he's 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 maybe I, I don't know. It, Batman Returns is my is by far my favourite Batman movie, um, and uh, you know, he I suppose physically the, there's a few, uh, but he 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 sold it to me. Yeah, he totally. absolutely sold it. Totally. So that's Batman: The Killing Joke. So the co- it turns out the copy that I bought was the third printing. And by accident, I found in a second-hand shop, again, I put, and I probably only paid a few pounds more. Um, I probably paid four or five pounds for this, but it's a first edition. So I've got the one with the yellow, with the orangey writing on yeah, the Yeah, which is quite, on the front. this is quite rare. This I don't see this one oh, come right, up very okay. often. See this one a lot. Right. This one, not so much. Yeah. You know. But it, it was just that it's, I can remember clearly going and seeing it and thinking, wow going to get that oh. and um, because i must have had the dark knight already by then uh, and, and i mean it, it shows you how spoiled you are that we, you know getting through all this stuff and not even mentioning the dark knight which is huge as well mm-hmm. but this year as well the other reason I, I suppose this is the the book i have the most copies of because i've got the two that i that are the original editions i've got the collected no sorry the the re-edition which was slightly bigger format i think it was probably actual artwork yeah. size but it was recolored um by uh, brian boland which i i like both and i used to use when i was teaching um at the art college i would sort of bring them in as examples of how you can take you know exactly the same black and white line and completely transform the story yeah. through through color but at christmas i got the sort of what is it the 30th anniversary edition which is both editions collected and uh, there's the script, Alan Moore. I, I was going to quote a little bit, but I won't dig it out now because we're because of time. But the Alan Moore scripts, I wouldn't buy many scripts, but Alan Moore scripts, you have to absolutely, you have to read them because they're hilarious for the for the artist to read, but so generous as well because he writes all this stuff which which actually Brian Boland for the for the end um, what do you call them again the, the end papers. He, Alan Moore describes this great 
sort of uh, really detailed description of how he wants the end papers to be, but then qualifies it all at the end with, you know, but do whatever you want. And, um, you know, don't worry about what I'm saying, because, um, you know, what you've, whatever you come up with is bound to be better. But Brian Boland, obviously, and it is, it is a great idea. And, and you know, the, the, the great big sort of raindrops that, mm. that start and, and finish it is a brilliant idea. And, and he followed it sort of exactly. Yeah. But uh, it's a great book. So I've got four versions of that. Which is, um... <laughs> I won't put you on the spot and ask you which one's your ultimate favourite. I've got some opinions on that. Having met um, John Higgins, uh, we had him up a, a few years ago. Well, I'll be honest, I, I preferred the John Higgins yeah. colours, if I'm being honest with you. But it might have just been because uh, that I associate that with when I bought it. Yeah. And in the updated version, I understand exactly why Brian Bond did that. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's too, it's actually too digital in a way, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously that's his workflow now, yeah. you know, yeah. but, um, but personally, I prefer the, the 80s version of the coloring. So, you know, I like, I like the, I, I get the whole thing about the, the, the bat symbol on the chest and how that should be i think that's that's something that I, I appreciate that being brought back to what it what it should have been i think i just like them both equally it's a bit mm. like the, the the blade runner thing that i can't you know the whole thing about the voiceover yeah, yeah, that yeah. was how i first saw it yeah. i can't not know that yeah, and i can watch the the subsequent editions and appreciate them for what they are but even when i watch those versions i can still hear Harrison Ford's voiceover in my head, and uh, you know I I love them both equally, and and it's great now to have them collected and to be able yeah. to, but also he's coloured his black and white thing, which seemed the wrong direction. Again, I, I've got I've got them in here somewhere, but I love the black and white uh, Batman um, editions that came out. Yeah. So that brings us neatly to my last two, I suppose, things I wanted to talk about. Again, I, I'm not a consistent collector. 2008 was probably my most consistent. But for some reason in the early 90s, it was probably through the internet I heard about a run in Batman. And uh, and I got hooked on this for quite a while. And it's the, um, the Doug Jones version of Batman, which I really, really liked. I loved his how he drew the cape. Um, it was it, there. There are, there are similarities to how I was drawing at the time, which I appreciate. I mean, I'm, I'm nothing like. Um, is it? No, I've just said uh, Kelly Jones. Sorry, yeah. not Doug Jones. Yeah. Doug Mensch was the writer. Yeah. Kelly Jones, Doug Jones. He's the he's the actor. Isn't yeah, he? he's yeah. the <laughs> fellow from um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth and all that. So Kelly Jones was the illustrator, and and I I loved it. And yeah, I stuck that's with it a for quite one. a while. Yeah. And I think it must have then dovetailed into Nightfall, which I wasn't a big fan of at all. And I know it's been a huge influence on a lot of the uh, sort of movies and whatnot since, but I just didn't get it. But I loved, I mean, even that. Mm -hmm. So just a random panel there. I used to love what he did with the, with the cape. Yeah. Uh, and also he did a bit of a throwback to the old Batmobiles as well. And there was something kind of, even though it's full colour, and it's quite garish colour at that, but there was something quite noir about how he how he used to draw and and the extended sort of um 
the ears on on Batman's cowl were, were kind of a, almost a throwback to that, that old sort of is it the thirties yeah, Batman when, TV? Yeah, and... yeah, that's right. Well, I think what what makes it gives it that noir feel is the the very stark black and white contrast yes and the composition yeah. and you know and uh yeah i mean that cover you've just you've just picked this up which is issue uh five two four is, is is fantastic you know and it's 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 very it's very stylized and the cape almost becomes a character in its yes, own right absolutely, you know yeah and it, and it could only it's it's the and again it's it could only work like this in a comic because it's completely mm. unpractical. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he even gets away with not drawing any feet. I mean, Batman <laughs> seems to be levitating on that cover. But a bit like Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But no, it was, it was a great run. And I'm, I, I haven't checked, but I would love to see. I know there's like a, 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 a fad for uh, reissuing a lot of uh, classic stories in the noir mm -hmm. uh, style. And I don't know because I would love to see his artwork because he did do yeah, some black yeah, and white yeah. covers and and editions, and these I, I mean gimmicky as anything. But there's three editions here: the Dead Man Collection, uh, connection, which was a great run, and uh, they've got like glow in the dark covers, <laughs> which again it's really cheesy. But he, the way because his his artwork just completely you know if you if you hold that in the light there you can kind of see oh yeah he's yeah. drawn sort of original artwork. And because the, the, the glow in the dark stuff is a single, um, would have been a single pass of the, the print machine, his, his black and white line really lends it to it because it is mostly, he's, he's, he's the negative of most artists, most art, artists who are really good in black and white. It's the line work and, and the cross hatching. Whereas for him, it's almost the negative space that he concentrates mm. on. Yeah, you're right. And, yeah. it's, and it completely lends itself to that glow in the dark. So as cheesy as they are, issues five three one uh sorry five three zero through to five three two um are worth looking at because uh they're, they're, they're great additions yeah i think i think that would really be a fantastic collection if they brought that out just in black I mean, they, they might have done i don't they know well but done, yeah. um but yeah that that, that sort of lends is, itself yeah, to that fantastic. so that sort of brings me to my most, I, I suppose, my, one of my most recent, and it wasn't even a purchase. I was given this because uh, now in my life as a, as a filmmaker, I like to, I made a documentary last year about an art project in Dundee. And I was working full time. I'm, I'm self-employed now, but at the time I was part time employed four days a week and trying to do all my other stuff one day a week. And so the documentary took up a lot of that time. And I would find myself at two o'clock and three o'clock in the morning editing stuff together, thinking, why do I keep doing this to myself? You know, I'm going to be 48 this year and I'm still, you know, sitting up in the early hours making stuff <laughs> when I could just be, you know, I could have just come home tonight, watch telly and then gone to bed. Mm -hmm. So I then realized actually i know a whole bunch of people who do this you know i i knew if at the, the at the same time there was somebody i worked with who had made an album um again similar age to me and and i was aware of people who like me work in the day job and then doing all this creative stuff on the side so i thought oh, i think there's a, a little series of films about this so I've, I've contacted a few and started filming them and one of them was um monte nero who's a, a comic artist locally and writer. And I, I 
admit I wasn't aware of his work until he he turned up at the screening of my documentary in Dundee at the cinema. And I didn't get to speak to him at the time. I didn't know who he was, but he left a really nice comment. I, I, I had a big poster, mm -hmm. lobby poster made, and I left it out at the end for people to, to write a comment on with Sharpies. And he left a really nice comment and I looked him up on uh, Twitter. Oh, he, and he left a nice comment on Twitter as well. So, and, and it was then I realized, so we've got someone living in Dundee who works, who's done work for Marvel. He's done work for DC, uh, for um, 2000 AD and apparently does his own, uh, own comics. So I met up with him and there's a little film on my Twitter account. If you, if you dig it out, search for, for Monty Nero, and I'm on the Superfly on Twitter, and there's a little film about him talking about his comics and um, why he does what he does. And he was good enough to give me a copy of Hollow Monsters because after we'd spent an hour chatting in the car and then another hour uh, filming, I said to him, uh, "So you're not originally from Dundee, are you? So where are you from?" And and he told me, and he said, "Well, I'm." moved around a bit but originally from Starbridge in the West Midlands which is a stone's throw from where I grew up <laughs> and he said and actually Hollow Monsters is about Starbridge it's a story that in his mind although he's not lived there for a while originates in Starbridge and so I was interested in it for, for that alone and also the cover has two of my favorite things from the 80s well three of my favorite things from the 80s which is Swap Shop, Big Track and uh james bond's uh, underwater lotus oh, yeah. so i was just sorry so you know these are all things that you know just are throwbacks to and i and i so you know reading through the comic it's it's really an introduction i mean the part two hasn't come out yet um but i love his i love his style of again it's his line work and although the he paints the colors digitally i think he does it in a really um, subtle and, and clever way. I really like how the majority of it is quite flat, mm -hmm. but then he'll do things like this where there's just subtle layers and there's there's stuff hidden in there. And I just I, I just love I just love the style, and I'm really intrigued as to where it's going to go. And I suppose for any um, sort of Stranger Things fans, there's there's kind of a a similarity i don't i don't think the two are uh, you know i don't think it's been influenced by that particularly but uh and it predates yeah it does that. yeah he started yeah. it and he started it on the, the comic course actually and spun it out yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I do i think the second issue is launched it started successfully and yeah but um so yeah so hollow monsters is uh is my up to up to the minute tip uh, <laughs> look at how but but he so of course i got it signed as well so uh, John Dudley Rocks Monty. So, yeah, we're, we're both, <laughs> so it's it's it was a bizarre sort of full circle. Yeah, to, yeah. To, after all this time to because the the shoe people are Starbridge uh, based, and and after all this time to have arrived in Dundee via DC Thompson, and then to to catch up with Monty and um, and to find that we both started our our, our sort of days in uh in dudley in the west midlands so. <laughs> well that's a that's a good place to, to 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 draw us to close i think so thanks john for coming along and and telling us uh, your background and, and there's multiple choices there for for you to have a look at so we'll we will um 
we will post as much up as we can. Yeah. Uh, I think we might even put up a little Instagram uh, image to try and capture some of this or images. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely capture some of the uh, the stuff that I've been talking about and put it together in an Instagram at the time of the release of the podcast. So it'll all be there. And maybe I've not done that much filming, but there is a time lapse of, of this. So yeah, for what cool. it's worth, there'll be you'll be able to see some stuff on the table. Brilliant. Now, th- thanks for joining us, and uh, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Join us next time on Comic Scene, the podcast.